Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want to remind you before we get started, the TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and it's time for Monday Morning Murph. Brian Murphy, you dropped another gem on purpleinsider.substack.com if you want to check it out. The Motown Meltdown, and you pulled uh, no punches in writing about what happened between the Minnesota Vikings and Detroit Lions. So I want you to talk to me about what you're thinking now that the Vikings have dropped to 5-7. and seven. They've won 12 of their last 29 games, by the way, since their playoff win uh, against the New Orleans Saints in the 2019 season. And seats are not hot, Murph. Seats are blazing hot at this moment. So give me your thoughts. Well, I agree. I think they should be. I mean, you don't come back. Uh, you don't have the credibility to, to preach resilience and uh, uh, amnesia, short-term amnesia for this quick turnaround. We're still in the, the hunt. We're still mathematically there. We have guys getting healthy. No. You went into Detroit, a winless Detroit folly of a franchise, and basically allowed a quarterback who was basically is on the brink of extinction to march 75 yards, without a timeout, with no hint of aggression, no hint of pressure, no sense of seizing the moment, just hoping the clock would run out and you could slither out of town with a victory. And you got burnt. And 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 Mike Zimmer's defense and that, that gooey soft secondary, they had their mega ego daggered by Jared Goff and the previously winless Detroit Lions on the final play of the season. There's no coming back from that. You can have, you know, you, we, we can talk scenarios and health, and th- this team is dead. This regime is dead. This era is dead. It's time to turn the page. Do you think that Vikings fans are waking up today really upset about what happened yesterday or almost in a way relieved? Now, I'm not saying that people root against their team. I think there are some people who sort of uh, see the bigger picture and understand that a loss that is like getting hit with a sledgehammer can ultimately be good for your franchise, that, that can result in the changes that were necessary for this franchise to go in a better direction. Because where you are now, like there there's 
I don't want to like just be reading stats all the time of like, well, they've only won this many games and this is your quarterback's record and this and this and this and this and this. But the reality is, I mean, we are talking about two years now of just atrocious football. It People will say like, oh, well, you're in the middle and so forth. But if, if you haven't even cleared 500, you're not in the middle. You're at the bottom. You're not all the way at the bottom, but you're at the bottom. You were one in five one at one point. You're five last year. You're five and seven right now. You're looking up at teams who have backup quarterbacks and coaches that they want to fire and teams that are rebuilding who are ahead of you, like Philadelphia's thrown in their backup quarterback and they get a win against a really bad team. Like this, this is rock bottom for this franchise right now. And it's the lowest point that they have been at since 2013, to where it doesn't feel like there's any switch to flip or move to make or trade or signing or draft pick that can make cousin Spielman Zimmer work. Period. No. And, and that's why I headlined my, my column, you know, the Motown meltdown, because I think it's really the sad bookend to the Minneapolis miracle. That was the peak. And it's been, you know, there's been plateaus and a little bit of climbing and a little bit of accomplishment since then, but it's really over the long term been a steady decline. And they are frauds because this is a team that is is rudderless and 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 not innovative anymore. It's stale. You got a head coach who's flailing around coaching against fear, and fear is undefeated in the alpha male NFL. He is coaching not to lose. He is making decisions that are irrational. He's making decisions that are costing his team yards downs points and it's coming home to roost and those are inescapable facts and what you have now is instead of you know the reason they're frauds is because Zimmer and and Spielman and the organization have been selling a a playoff contending product they've been selling the notion that this patchwork defense this acquisition this signing this new offensive coordinator, this is going to be the solution. It's not. You're, you're not rebuilding. You're not cleaning the slate. You're not thriving. You're spinning your wheels. The product is overpriced, oversell, oversold. It's past its expiration date right now, and people aren't buying it anymore. So I don't know if Vikings fans are waking up angry as much as they're waking up resigned. And I'm telling you, you could feel it building during the week and over the weekend. Uh, talking to my family in Detroit, who follows the Lions with a wink and a nod, uh, reading up on this game and how how banged up and vulnerable the Vikings defense was exposed in San Francisco. The Lions are a good running team. They're playing loose because they have nothing to lose. They got a, a, a rookie head coach, Dan Campbell, who is just throwing dice everywhere, going for it all the time. He's literally a madman. And I'm, you could smell the dread. You could sense it because Vikings fans are conditioned to being overconfident, thinking this is going to, you know, plug every leak. God, thank, thankfully that we're playing Detroit. They're 0-10. We've owned Detroit for 50 years. This will be great. There was a, there was a sense of foreboding I felt it. I was telling my family back in Detroit, I'm telling you, this this, this Vikings team's a mess. This could be the, night, the week for their first win. And again, 
it's not just that the Vikings collapsed. It's the manner in which they collapsed that I think really um, irritates and confounds Vikings fans everywhere because they were headed toward a disastrous loss, falling behind 20 to six at halftime, looking awful offensively again, regressive again, settling for red zone field goals again. But then, oh, they wake up, they get 18 points very quickly. Jared Goff does what Jared Goff's going to do, which is create an egregious turnover at the worst possible time. And the Vikings, you know, well, they're inching along, inching along. Maybe they'll just go for the field goal. No, they go for the dagger. They actually stuck it in the end zone. And now you got a team, a winless team with an awful quarterback with no timeouts and a minute 50 left. And he marches down the field as if you're not even there. I mean, that's, it's inexcusable and, and, and there's no coming back from this loss. There just isn't. And after the game, usually in a horrendous loss like this, Mike Zimmer is pretty fuming and he just looked like maybe a little shell shocked, but maybe like just he's resigned. He's resigned. Yeah. Um, There's a, yeah, probably a bunch of different words we could use for it, but it was, it was just like downtrodden and had no answers. And there have been several press conferences this year where things like this have happened and there were just no answers. Uh, This was, hey, Mike, why weren't you sending pressure at Jared Goff, who is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL under pressure? Uh, I said yesterday that- And you just strip-sacked him for the go-ahead score. Right, right, right. If if Jared Goff raced 50-year-old Drew Bledsoe, I'm not sure who wins. Like, he's that slow and that- uh, unable to move around in the pocket he needs like we talk about Kirk Cousins needing a a solid platform to throw not only does Jared Goff need a solid platform he needs like five seconds to wind up to throw the ball too he's the guy that you send a zero pressure after and remember that game where the Dolphins did that with the when he was with the Rams where they just sent blitz after blitz after blitz and he couldn't do anything and so they're playing back hoping that Cam Dantzler and Bashad Breland can hold it down. I, I didn't understand that. And it was dink and dunk and dink and dunk. And he completed six of seven passes. Now, if there's 45 seconds left, this is the exact right defense. Great. But there's a minute and 50 seconds left. He's got all sorts of time to do that. Uh, it was six of seven, not counting the spike that he was able to complete before they had the, the final sort of go at it. And then just to add a little sprinkle at the end, they have a delay of game of all things. They move sure. themselves farther away. Very lion-esque. Vikings, right. And then the Vikings play off coverage to give them free 10 yards to make it a very reasonable pass into the end zone. And I mean, call timeout to give them time to regroup. <laughs> right. Everything about that, everything about that was mismanaged from Mike Zimmer's side. And here we are today, and they rank 30th in defensive yards loud. Like, what? I mean, I know they've had injuries. I know they've had tough breaks, but you can't rank 30th in defense Again, when your coach is a defensive coach, even if you've had these these bad breaks and some of them are not some of them are self-inflicted bad breaks. And I was thinking about this a lot yesterday, Murph, when we go back through the schedule, we talk about these close losses and how they've been throwing up their hands all year. Ah, there's these close losses. Ah, gosh, gracious us. Uh, But think about how they've caused their own close losses repeatedly. They fumble at the end of the Cincinnati game. That's you giving a game away. But also, you were down in that game by two scores, so you didn't play well. Then Arizona, you're up by two scores. You blow it. That's on you also. 
Cleveland, you score seven points. What's the bad break? Dallas, you score 16 points. That's on you. That's not, ah, gracious, uh, gracious me. Oh, no. Bad flip of the coin. I guess we didn't have any luck today. Like, that's on you. And the same with yesterday. You get down 20 to 6 to the worst team in the stratosphere of pro football. That's that's your fault. That's not a bad break or unlucky or uh, these all these close games. Who knows what to do with them? Like, yeah, but you, you're forcing yourself to come back from down two scores. I think they've earned all of the losses that they have this year. It hasn't been just unlucky bounces entirely. And I think that is what, if you're a Vikings fan, you wake up angry at this season is it, this should have been better. This should have been better than what it is right now. A loss to Detroit should not have completely spoiled your season. It would have been disappointing, but there were so many other opportunities, but it was miscoaching. It was poor quarterback play. Hey, look, the offensive line did that thing again where they do the thing and allow the sacks. I mean, like it's, it's just been such a group effort to get to where they are to underachieve for how much they've underachieved. Well, and maybe Zimmer will be asked about this today because I'm not sure if he was yesterday or if he, if he was, it wasn't a very in-depth explanation for why the massive reshuffling on the offensive line to fill one position yeah, and the impact that that had on pass protection yesterday, why that decision was made to create more chaos as opposed to mitigating chaos. Uh, that's a pure coaching decision. Yeah. Um, where was, you know, Adam Thielen goes out on the first series with an ankle injury and still Justin Jefferson is MIA. Now he eventually racked up a ton of yards because he was the only person they actually decided to get the ball to. It took a long time to get there. Why did it take a long time to get there again? The two point conversions, um, they were chasing points. You know, it's the old cliche. Don't chase points. Now you can, you know, the two extra points, uh, would have not made it a deficit. and But it wasn't even just the, the the missed extra points and the desperation because of it. It was the lack of imagination in executing. I mean, you ran up the middle twice. Uh, no play action, no sense of getting somebody on the outside. Uh, even a sneak, I would, you know, as, as cement-footed as Cousins is, would have been a little innovative. Hand the ball off up the middle and watching it fail twice. What is why? Why is there so much stasis and why is there so much, you know, lack of innovative outside the box thinking? And the only time that that out of the box thinking happens, it's out of desperation and it's out of Zimmer grasping for momentum, grasping to light a spark, grasping to chase points. And it inevitably fails. I mean, these are all manageable situations. The offensive game plan the defensive uh, prevent at the end, which was, I mean, that's just negligence. That's negligent coaching. And I, I it's just not working. And it's not, they're, they're, they're not, they're selling buckets of sand to people in the desert right now. I don't know what they're <laughs> trying to promise, but it's just not there. You, and, and you're right. I think, you know, Zimmer was obviously disappointed and devastated. You could see when the camera would pan to him on the sidelines in the fourth quarter. I mean, I thought he was passing kidney stones. You you knew every ounce of his survival was tied to that offensive drive at the end to go ahead and the defensive meltdown at the back end. And 
I think in his in his heart of hearts, I think he realizes it's it's done. They're going to go through the motions here, and look, they may very well beat Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Um, they may very well beat the Bears in Chicago. I don't see it happening at this point because these past two weeks were going to be the prove-it games, and they couldn't. But they're going to lurch around and linger around. I, I, they're not. They haven't quit on him yet as a as a roster. So I think you're just going to lurch around to a seven and ten, eight and nine type finish that leaves you with the inevitable choice of moving on. So, you know, the, the next five weeks are going to be kind of depressing probably um, and not very productive um, unless there's the, you know, scintilla chance that they will, you know, run the table or go four and one and, and prove all of us wrong. But there's so much evidence stacked up right now. You know, why, why should anybody invest their time or emotion in, the possibility of the next five weeks. Right. The conversation has shifted on this day to what is happening next with this entire franchise. And you're just looking at your watch and waiting for us to get there. And that's what's going to happen with these next five weeks. Unless like you said, they run the table, but running the table means beating Chicago twice, which they never do. Uh, Chicago is horrendous. They're in the same play. I mean, these, these two teams are looking in the mirror. Matt Nagy owns yeah. the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, And hey, Andy Dalton might be starting for them. Andy Dalton beat you last year. When you have the worst defense in the NFL or bottom three defense, uh, you're not going into any game thinking, oh, we can cruise to a victory because Jared Goff just beat them. Right. Yeah. Jared Goff beat you. Cooper Rush beat you like anything is possible. Uh, And, uh, you know, you have to play also the Rams, who I don't believe in as a Super Bowl contender, but I think is a heck of a lot better than this Vikings team right now. And then you have to go to Lambeau. I mean, you just there's no room for error whatsoever. And this is why when you you go one in three and then everyone out there laughs at us. Guys, did you not check that there's 17 games on the schedule? What are you guys dumb? It's like, yeah, but that means no mistakes the rest of the way. No injuries the rest of the way. And we that's what I talk about when we're saying you earned your position here because as the season goes along, you might run into a game where Eric Kendrick suddenly comes up with an injury that happens to every team all the time in the middle. I mean, how about San Francisco, San Francisco loses to Seattle. They were without Fred Warner. They were without Debo Samuel. So two of the best players in the NFL, this happens to teams. That's why you have to win the games that you're supposed to win and not give them away earlier in the season. Uh, I wanted to mention, just since you brought up the offensive line, that if everyone was wondering, you already intuitively know this. This this fan base, Murph, is like the Matrix. They can just see everything before it happens in little zeros and ones. They know this is going to be the case before I say it. Ole Udo was the lowest graded pass blocker by PFF obviously right like this you before it happened everyone knew that that was going to be the case i don't understand that decision but i we need to look at something a little bit bigger here was this all foreseeable and i don't even mean right now like oh going into detroit was it foreseeable like anyone who's watched this team knows that that was of course possible but i mean 
2019, they win the playoff game against New Orleans. They make the decision to keep everybody, including extending Kirk Cousins. Now, you can feel whatever way you want to feel about his play this season. You can look at whatever numbers you like and so forth. The, the bottom line on Kirk Cousins is they have doled out a lot of money for no winning. Like That's the bottom line. You could debate all other pieces of Kirk Cousins. Does he throw a good fade route? Like, sure does, but who cares? Like, you have just lost and lost and lost and lost. I, I think when you go back to that moment and you get this big win in New Orleans and you go to San Francisco and he throws for like 130 yards and they're just checking down when they're down 17 points at the end of the game and you're looking at a defense that was not going to stay together and saying, you're going to have to rebuild that whole thing on defense with almost nothing to work with. And then they go into that offseason and extend Zimmer, extend Cousins, extend Rick Spielman, trade for Yannick Ngakwe, extend Anthony Harris, like do all these moves that don't really make sense for a rebuild. Like that, to me, is the moment where you should look back and go, that was an inflection point in the franchise. That's where you could have seen all of this happening. Because you knew they were going to be desperate and you knew they were going to be scratching and clawing for their jobs. And this has happened so many other times, Murph. It happened in Atlanta with Dan Quinn. It happened in uh, Cincinnati with Marvin Lewis. Like this is how these things go and not having the foresight to see like this entire franchise is going to have to overhaul its roster. And the, and these guys, like they're the ones you're trusting to do it after failing with Kirk cousins to get where you wanted to go. And, and they decided stay the course. And that's why when you say they got what they deserved, like that was the wrong decision. And clearly that has, has played out that way. Well, it was the wrong decision and it wasn't made with a lot of humility either. It was a sense of, we know what we're doing. We don't care what that background, we don't care what that context means. We don't care how risky these moves are. We know better than you. And that's, that's, that's what this has exuded uh, for the last year and a half. Um, you spend that kind of money on a franchise quarterback and get one playoff win out of it. And then a complete pratfall the next week. Um, these decisions need to have consequences. Um, Rick Spielman's first round draft history in the last, what, four or five years. I mean, yeah, you got Justin Jefferson. Um, what else, what else is showing for this right now? Where where else is the is is the is the depth? Where else is the ingenuity? Um, Jeff Gladney was, you know, hey, we know he's fine. We looked into his heart, you know. We know we know what we've got here. Well, no, you don't. You've got a you've got a a domestic abuser now who's probably never going to play in the league again, or at least anytime soon. Um, I I don't. That's where I think the fan base is really curious, and and we all are is. What are the Wolves thinking? Because not not like what were they thinking? How dare they do this? It's what what are they thinking right now? What is their do they have a finger on the pulse of what is obvious? Do they have a sense of what is boiling over right now? And you know, look, I don't ex I didn't, you know, it's all the whole, yeah. Well, if Zimmer loses, he shouldn't get on the plane to, to come home. Well, here's the deal. They got a short turnaround. They got a Thursday night game. Uh, they're still mathematically in it. It doesn't really make a lot of pragmatic sense to fire him this morning. Um, they're going to let this play out to the end of the season, and then they're going to have to reevaluate. And I, I'd love to be fly on the wall for the conversation with Zimmer, with Spielman, 
separately or together in which they're pleading their case for why they should stick around. And um, I'd love to hear what those talking points are, because I don't I can't understand how that could resonate anymore with an ownership group that has spent the money, displayed a ton of loyalty and um, not meddled. But, um, you know, they they have an angry fan base right now that is not buying it anymore. So, you know, I think you're going to see a ton of terrible towels at U.S. Bank Stadium Thursday night. Um, similar to the Halloween night game with Dallas. I think people are checked out. And they're going to just unload their tickets as much as they, they can possibly do it. So, and if, if those that do show up, the loyalists, at the first sign of trouble are going to turn very quickly. Uh, you may see, you may hear some chants. You may hear some loud booing. It's a night game. The liquor is going to be flowing. It could be a very, very hostile crowd. They are not going to, you know, Ziggy and Mark Wolf are not going to be immune to that. They're going to hear that, see that, feel that. Um, as they, so it, it you know, it doesn't behoove them to come out and give Zimmer a, 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 a limp vote of confidence or to come out and say, we expect better. It, it's not going to do anything, but it would be nice to know that they are contemplating this hard and really what, what they're looking for here in the next five weeks out of their employee, their, their management team to, um, to, to really get a sense of, into their thinking. And we just don't know that. Hey everybody, Minnesota football is in full swing and there is no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Minnesota football tickets because TickPick, that is T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. It's the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for football tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of your tickets. Don't believe it if you can find better prices on the same seats on another site. TickPick will give you 110% of the difference now we've had lots of exciting games at u.s bank stadium this year there are still more to go including los angeles coming here it's always interesting when chicago comes to town so you're going to want to go to tickpick.com and check it out and make sure it's tickpick.com slash insider because you can save ten dollars on your first order for minnesota tickets that's tickpick.com slash insider With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's play, let's play that game then. 
I will be the Wilfs and you will be different people and try to make your case to, to stick around or why this should keep going. And I don't even mean stick around for like the next five years. I mean, just not be fired after this season or within the next couple of weeks, as soon as their playoff odds go to a slight little blip, because if they lose to Pittsburgh, do you watch Pittsburgh against Baltimore? It's a violent team. They're not perfect. And their quarterback is super washed, but you want to talk about a team that actually does fight. This is the refrain from Zimmer. We're fighters. We're fighters. I don't know. I'm not so sure, but Pittsburgh comes off of this horrendous loss to Cincinnati. Okay. Pittsburgh's done. They're washed under Mike Tomlin. They are never done uh, because he is one of the greatest coaches. I think in NFL history, he has gone through this with a regression from Roethlisberger that has gone up the side of a cliff. He had a season where duck Hodges, whoever that is, was playing quarterback for him. They go 500. Like he has proven to be that good short week turnaround here. They'll continue to fight. They have TJ Watt, by the way, Cam Hayward, by the way. So I'm going to be picking Pittsburgh. Um, but let's let's even talk about what those cases are, though. Because I think, or maybe you could answer it this way. Like, if you're going to that room, I'm, I'm Mark and Ziggy, and you're saying, all right, I should stick around. Like, who has the best case here between the triumvirate of power of Kirk Cousins, Rick Spielman, and Mike Zimmer? Like, who could go to ownership and say, no, I'm the one that should stay on the island? I'm going to just, again, uh, just uh, freestyling here. I'm, I'm going to go with Kirk cousins um, because I think he's got the financial leverage to make the case that um, unless you trade me, you're going to be swallowing a lot of money. You've already paid me a lot of money. You're going to be swallowing a lot more. I'm not saying that's the right move for the franchise to keep him. I think he has the most leverage to stay because, you know, he can wrap himself statistically uh, in production and productive numbers. He can wrap himself in his durability. He can wrap himself in his um, squeaky clean image um, in a world of troublemakers. Um, and he could probably say, okay, look, if you're going to burn it down and start over, um, that's fine. But I have been in this league for 10 years and I've, I have a track record that you can, you can look at the track record doesn't produce victories. The track record shows he's clutch occasionally, but usually only conveniently. Um, he's not clutch when it matters most. Um, but because of his contract, because of what's already been invested of among those three, I think he has the best case to put forward. Um, Mike Zimmer and, and Rick Spielman, I think have to be linked at this point. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think Rick Spielman, uh, has earned the right uh, and, and has the credibility to hire another coach. I don't think Mike Zimmer has the credibility after eight seasons, the last two of which have been really, really uh, a, a quick down, downhill spiral. I don't think he has the credibility to, to make the case for another shot at rebuilding, reimagining, and and taking this team to the next level. They peaked with the miracle and they bottomed out with the meltdown. And I don't think there's any way around any of that fact base. Yeah. I think with Mike Zimmer, if the Jacksonville Jaguars fired Urban Meyer and hired Mike Zimmer, that would be a really great move uh, because they've got a lot of young players. Uh, that He could still be an and, NFL coach. Could, I don't right. know if he wants to be. 
a team that a team that's like a year or two away, like this team was in 2014 for Mike Zimmer, would be, I think, a good fit. Uh, and like the on the rise, but you just need like they have the talent, but you just need a better coach. Maybe the Jaguars aren't the perfect example, but you know what I mean. A team that's underachieving but is good, but needs a better coach. Okay, like that he could go there. Um, I, I think if you're going into the Wilfs, the one who has the hardest argument though is Rick Spielman because you're asking. Uh, Rick, so like, let's talk about these first round picks. Like what happened with this guy, with this guy, with this guy, let's have, let's talk about these, these trades of a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon and a second round pick for Yannick Ngakwe. Let's talk about the Kirk extension and how that wasn't really a fit for the roster. Let's talk about the offensive line. No, let's really talk about the offensive line and how it's possible for a franchise to go seven years without a good one. Like, like, did someone break a mirror or something in 2013 and you could just never have a good offensive line for seven years? It's let's talk about that. Let's talk about this philosophy of like trying to just pick up wide receivers. Hey, DD Westbrook, what a year, like pick up wide receivers at the very last second. Let's talk about these development projects that you guys have loved so much, but none of them have bared fruit. I mean, you're talking about. James Lynch, Armand Watts, DJ Wan. I'm like, these guys are just guys. They're just players. They could be on the Lions. Like, there's no difference there. Uh, and I think that that one is the hardest to say. If you build a roster good enough for Kirk Cousins, he can probably make the playoffs. I am skeptical that he could win the Super Bowl, but he can make the playoffs. If you build a roster good enough for Mike Zimmer, he can make the playoffs. We've seen him do it with multiple quarterbacks. So who's building the roster? And let's actually, here's another way to play this game, Murph. Let's and what's the, the standard? Right. Yeah. Right. What? Like it, it? No. No. We just had these bad breaks. Like, well, okay. Bad breaks might take you from if you're a good team, twelve and three. Uh, wait, wait. Twelve and five to ten and seven, not to five and seven. Uh, let's do this though. Here's a little game for you. Let's let's play a finger pointing game. I want you as Kirk Cousins to point the finger at Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, and then we'll we'll point them around. That's how I want to do this. So you are uh, Kirk Cousins. You point the finger at Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. Uh, Rick, uh, when are you going to get me a left tackle I can trust? <laughs> when are you going to get me a line that'll allow me to thrive in the perfect pocket that you know I can thrive in? Because otherwise, I'm not going to be able to succeed. Why have you set me up to fail? Uh, Mike Zimmer, why are you only coming around in our fourth year of existence to want to break bread on Thursdays and talk offensive football and philosophy and leadership? Why didn't you let me into your uh, uh, your graces and your trust when we first met? Um, why are you saddling me with a third offensive coordinator who still can't seem to get out of his own way? Why are you setting me up to fail? That's what I, I got like for you. Okay, now, I, you, I, want, you want Kirk Cousins to look in the mirror? Because I don't think that's I don't think he's capable of self-reflection or self-awareness or self-analysis. Not something that he really does. Um, I, I maybe it's unfair for me to have mentioned that he was smiling and you know giving out handshakes after that game to the Lions, but it's like. Man, I just have a tough time thinking that the league's greatest competitors are doing that after that kind of loss. Uh, anyway, so I was looking up. What I was trying to figure out was if I can throw this dagger if I'm them, if that's right. Okay, yes, 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 I can. Uh, when the Vikings 
have been trailing this year. Trailing. Okay. If I so now I'm gonna I'm gonna Mike Zimmer and I'm gonna point the finger at Kirk. Okay. Uh Kirk Cousins once again has more yards passing this year when trailing and has 104 uh, 105 quarterback rating, 11 touchdowns, two picks when trailing, a 67 completion percentage and his highest yards per attempt when losing. Murph, this is the same as last year. This is the same as what we saw yesterday. Get down by two scores, start the fire and then come put the fire out and then look look around and go, "Hey, I had a good box score. I played pretty well today." Uh that's what Mike Zimmer has been dealing with now for 2 years. There have been so many games that have been decided not on the final drive. That's what we focus on all the time. Did Kirk come through on that final drive? No, no. They're decided by, did you get down in the game to Jacksonville last year because you no-showed or Carolina because you threw a pick six or earlier this year, the no-show on offense uh, against Cincinnati. And then after the game, what we hear from Cousins is, well, look, we had a penalty, got us behind first and 20. What are we supposed to do? Oh, man, I know. What are you supposed to, what could possibly happen to, I mean, if I'm Mike Zimmer and I'm pointing the the figure at Kirk, it's like, can you overcome anything, anything? If I put a piece of paper in front of you, will you trip on it? That is how the Kirk Cousins era has gone. Any obstacle, anyone is missing. The defense isn't playing well. A receiver goes out and it's just like, I can't play football anymore until we're losing down uh, by 14 points. And then they're leaving guys wide open and playing prevent. I mean, this, if you're Zimmer, bail me out once, like go through all these great coaches, find me one that doesn't get his ass bailed out all the time by his quarterback. Like Andy Reid has had this happen with Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid's getting out coached in the Super Bowl by the San Francisco 49ers, and Patrick Mahomes makes one of the greatest throws in the history of our planet. And guess what happens? They win the Super Bowl. Like Andy Reid didn't dial up nothing. In fact, Patrick Mahomes called the play that won the Super Bowl in 2019. I mean, this Bill Belichick is a great coach. His team is good again. But uh, Tom Brady, how many times was it that they go into a game against a team like Detroit and, oh, man, this guy's banged up or we're not playing well or, oh, oh, my defensive scheme wasn't that great. And Tom Brady just says, no, don't worry about this. I'm going to put up 400 on this team from the get-go and we win. Now, I know. So you say, oh, it's not fair to compare them to the best quarterbacks, but the best quarterbacks or the cheapest quarterbacks win, right? Like if you got the second highest cap hit in the league, and this is again with Zimmer, you have the second highest cap hit in the league. I could win with Teddy Bridgewater when he was cheap and and where we could stack all this talent around him. So I think like this, it's a game that we could play all day long because they can all point fingers at each other. Um, But I I think it's like truly, if we're doing the pie chart, Murph, it's truly a 33% split to all of them. It's, it, I mean, maybe more so on the general manager, but the coaching over the last two years, I think is deteriorated. I think it's gotten worse over the last couple of years as Zimmer is looking for answers that were there in 2017, but aren't there anymore. Right. And he can also look as he's, you know, begging Kirk Cousins to man up and deliver once in a while. He can turn to his boss and say, but you knew what you were getting in this guy. Right. You know, we knew the statistics were there, but everybody, you know, his personality, his leadership, his moxie, as it were, the intangibles that all the football people like to tell us that, you know, we idiots don't know anything about. (laughs) 
they were baked in to Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. He is not going to be Tom Brady. He's not going to be Peyton Manning. He's not going to be Drew Brees. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. Um, but you're paying Derek, him like that. Be Derek Carr. But you're paying him yeah. to be that guy. That decision's on Rick Spielman. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah. No, so you know, this you, is a great point, though, Murph. Sorry, this is a great point. Yeah. Kirk Cousins didn't sign this contract himself. Uh, well, no, you know what I mean. He didn't offer himself that contract. Nobody had a gun to his head. Yep. He was offered money to deliver goods he can't. And and that's where we're at. And and I anybody that thinks that that can somehow change because he let a few big drives at the end of games, as you said, after falling behind, they haven't been paying attention. They are who they are, all three of them. And it's the triangle of reckoning. Sam Ekstrom here, wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report. In an unfortunate situation like that, it's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will provide you with dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet Sanford and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet Sanford and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. And, and this is this is exactly why earlier in the season when they dropped to three and five, I think that there were a lot of people saying, move on, move on. Like just lose to Los Angeles, lose to Green Bay, get this over with, rip off the Band-Aid. And I keep thinking about, Brian, how exciting the other things can be that come after this as we as we sit and wait for the train to arrive. Like coaching general manager, quarterback. Like I even say those words. I can hear people kind of perk up. I got a bunch of tweets today. You saw some of them like, who's the candidates? Who's the candidate? We'll get there, folks. They just lost to Detroit yesterday. Okay, we'll, we'll get there. They've got a game on Thursday. People need to get fired in January before the bet, you know, everything's <laughs> right. to the surface. So, <laughs> Right, but still, those are the things that fans are getting excited about now because you have this opportunity to build your franchise in the future in a different way with a different person in charge where you could see like certain teams that have moved on from guys like this. And I think about Cincinnati where they went through some tough years. I don't think the Vikings will have to go through things that hard, but like they come out the other side with Joe Burrow as their quarterback. Los Angeles comes out the other side with Justin Herbert as their quarterback. And like these things can fail. There's no question about that. Uh, but you know, someone said, well, what about the jets or what about what it's like, well, what about Baltimore? What about Kansas city? What about Los Angeles? What about the, the promising teams in the league? 
who have moved on from coaches and quarterbacks who they were stuck with and came out much better. And I told the story earlier this year of Buffalo when they fired Rex Ryan and moved on from Tyrod Taylor and got Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. Like there are upgrades to be had here. Uh, and that's what we're kind of looking at as we sit and wait for this to come to an end. It's a very weird position to be in. Well, but you got five weeks of lame duck and I don't know how you, you process and digest and uh, try to be entertained by five weeks of lame duck. Um, it's, it's, it, it I, I don't know what you're selling right now. If you're selling the off season hope, well, it's still speculation at this point because it's really not hard and fast. It seems inevitable that there will be a regime change and, uh, and Kirk Cousins uh, will be jettisoned in some way. Um, but we're a long way to get there. And, and, yeah. and you still got five weeks to, to get to a place where these questions will start being answered. And I don't know what, how the fan base is going to react uh, I just feel like there's just they've been beat down and and they're so resigned right now that um, I'm not sure what they're being sold. <laughs> I have no answer for that. Hey, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium at night's pretty cool. <laughs> You're going, aren't you, Murph? You know, I, I I feel awful about this in some ways. Well, you know, my my ten year old son's a big fan and he's been bugging me all season, even before this season. When are we going to go to a Vikings game? When are we going to go to a Vikings game? And I'm like. I, you know, I'm loath to give the NFL any of my money, but <laughs> I also thought back to when I was 12 years old for my 12th birthday, my dad got me Monday night tickets to see the Lions and the Giants. This was the Bill Parcells, Lawrence Taylor, just before the Super Bowl years, uh, Giants. And this was the Billy Sims um, Lions. And the Silverdome was this big foreboding place out in the suburbs. And it was like, OK, let's do this. And I had a great experience. It was it was raucous. I saw drunks getting in fights. I heard a lot of language. I saw the, the the Viking or the Lions did win, and I'm glad I went. So now I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna expose uh, Ethan to the seedy underbelly of the <laughs> NFL experience—a night game with an angry crowd looking for blood. Um, but we got fairly inexpensive tickets, so it's like it's not about me; it's about him. He's gonna wear his Thielen jersey. He's uh, he's bitter after yesterday because my family's got bragging rights on him now, uh, my Detroit folks. But I just I, I'm I'm going to be interested as, as you know going to a game as a fan as I did in L.A. a few weeks ago. But also I've never been to U.S. Bank Stadium as a fan. I want to see what this vibe is like. I want to see what the, this experience is like, and also view it through his eyes. And uh, I should have something. Um, Something interesting to write about Friday morning. Let's put it that way. Um, tough break for the boy to be wearing the Thielen jersey, and Thielen gets hurt. Uh, yeah, I think he's well. He's got a he's got an old Teddy Bridgewater jersey. He could dust <laughs> off. Too. Hey, I see a lot of those still. I see a lot of those. a reminder of a time where there was promise. There was I think hope. Is, is what Until Teddy represents. Stepped in a hole out yeah. at uh, Winter Park and yeah. forever altered the fates of many. Mm, that he did. Uh, well, Murphy, it'll be a very interesting. I think that uh, the crowd is a major story. And if they go three and out on the first drive, I think that you are getting the entire place booing them off the field. And it, it reminds me, even in preseason, people sensed this in preseason. 
they started throwing their programs around during the game because the offense was looking so miserable, even with the starters out there, they were booing, they were getting bored. Like you mentioned that the Cowboys game, they were cheering every Amari Cooper catch during that game. I mean, that this, this isn't a surprise. This didn't just show up. Like this has been building this fan frustration and it might come to a head if they get behind in that game uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium. We might have the first time in that stadium where that crowd is straight up booing this team um, and jeering them off the field. It might be a reason some people go. So, Brian, your article today, again, uh, Motown Meltdown is brilliant and wonderful. And I'm glad that we could do this and play some finger pointing games and uh, <laughs> so forth. I have a feeling that the next time we talk, there's going to be a lot more to discuss. So uh, I appreciate your time as always, sir. Special edition Friday morning with Murph. Yeah. Friday morning, Monday morning with Murph is a little more catchy, but let's do it right after the game. All right. Sounds good.